All right. Well, I'm excited about today. It's going to be a great day. We are going to do a series starting today on relationships. And I can tell you who's always excited about this kind of series is my wife. She loves when I teach on this. She's not even in here. I can say whatever I want right now. Uh, she loves it because I, I, it, it's a good reminder for me how to be on my best behavior and how to, how to, to thrive in relationships. We all need to tune up when it comes to our relationships at times. So uh, I'm excited to be doing this series with you. Uh, in our heads, uh, we're often asking a couple different questions when it comes to the relationships in our life. And one of them might sound like this in your head is like, how are we going to make this work? And the second question might sound something like, how, we, how can we go beyond that? How can we see our relationships thrive? How can this be a nourishing, life-giving, give-and-take kind of relationship that God wants for me and for them? Now, we might think that way in our heads and, and, uh, and, and process it that way, but we don't say it that way. Uh, usually, whatever those thoughts sound like in your head, what it comes out is something like, hey, are we good? You and I, are we good? Like, guys, that's pretty much the best you're going to get out of a guy. Uh, are, are we good? We don't say relationship. We don't like using that word. It, like, gets stuck in our mouth. How is our relationship? You know, it just feels awkward. So we don't like talking about that thing. So we'll just say, hey, are we good? Are we good? It's the best you're going to get, ladies. Sorry. Um, so nobody wants the answer to that question to be, it's no good. Everybody wants our friendships to be nourishing and alive. Nobody wants to see those in. Nobody wants to see families ripped apart. Nobody wants to be in conflict with people at school or at work. Nobody wants friendships to be uh, come to an end. I mean, we universally want to get along and have unity and harmony in our relationships, and yet we still struggle. We still struggle. So today we're going to learn a principle that I believe transforms as a foundation principle for every relationship in our lives. And I got really good news. It's super simple. It's like all of us will be able to understand. It's not hard, okay? And I've got really bad news it's really hard to do. <laughs> it's really simple, but it's really hard to execute. All right? And this is a principle. I Listen, I had discovered it years ago, and it was true when I was trying to get along with my two siblings growing up, and it was true uh, in, with my college roommates, and it was true when I got married and adjusted to married life. It was true when we had kids. It's been true in my friendships. And over and over again, I have had to be reminded of this simple truth and go back to it. And you think, why did I forget this? How did I get my eyes off of this? How is it that I... I Keep having to be reminded of this simple truth. Are you ready for it? Here it is. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. New Living Translation says it this way. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And then the New uh, Century Version says, Those who want to save their lives will give up true life. And those who give up their lives for me will have true life. Now, it's er easy to see how this works in the vertical dynamic, this, this spiritual dynamic between us and God. And, and believe me, that's what Jesus was talking about in this passage. He said, listen, if you want to have a great relationship with your heavenly Father, if you want to have a great relationship with me, the key is to not to live your life for what you want, but what for God wants. 
And so it's absolutely true in this vertical relationship in our lives. But I also want you to see, let's not over-spiritualize it. It's also true in the horizontal relationships of our life. This same principle applies to every single relationship in life. And what Jesus is saying is if you put yourself first, the fulfillment you're longing for in relationship, the, the happiness you're looking for in relationships is going to elude you. But if you'll put the other person first, you'll find what you're looking for. It's universally true. It's very simple. And I would just say it this way for your notes. Uh, just another way to say the same thing. Relationships flourish when we put the other person first. Relationships flourish when we put the other person first. It's easy to understand, right? That's, that's so simple, and yet it's so hard to do, right? It makes me think of like the little games you see at a carnival or at Six Flags. Have you ever walked by one of those and say, man, that looks, that's easy. I can do that. Just for the record, I have never once walked past the ladder climbing thing and thought that looked easy. I have never once thought, I can get to the top of that. <laughs> I mean, really athletic people make it two rungs and they flip over. I'm like, no, that's not for me. But I have walked by games like the ring toss. You know what I'm talking about, the ring toss? They got the little bottles and they got the little rings and you're like, you mean put the ring on the bottle, that's all I got to do? I can, I can do that. And so I, you know, pay my money and I line up and I give it a shot and I give it another shot. And 20 bucks later, I'm like, you know what? I don't think this is as easy as I thought it was. <laughs> and I give up and I go home. And I, I don't get the big teddy bear. It makes, breaks my heart. It's rigged. That's why. You want to know why you and I don't win the ring toss is because it's rigged. And we'll get to that in a second. In fact, I would say this. Relationships are also rigged relationships are rigged. What do I mean by that? Before I even explain that, does anybody just say, yeah, I've had enough of, of my fill of relationships and whatever you're going to say, I believe it's true. It's the rigged. Let me explain what I mean. So you have two people that care about each other, maybe love each other and want the best for each other, and it's still difficult to get along, and it should be easy to get along, but for some reason, th things keep getting in the way, and you keep struggling to have a, an authentic relationship that's nourishing and life-giving. Life -giving. What should be easy isn't. You want to know why? It's because relationships are rigged, and they're rigged because they have bad ingredients. They got bad ingredients. Think about the ring toss again. Now, it ought to work and ought to be easy, but it's got bad ingredients, and one of the things wrong with it is this ring barely fits over the bottle. It barely fits. I mean, it fits, but it's, but it's kind of hard to get it over there because it's so close to the same size, and these other bottles get in the way, and so while it may look easy, the, the ba basic ingredients of the game keep us and prevent us I rung it. That's the one time I wasn't supposed to do that. I got to go home now. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> That's bad ingredients. <laughs> Trust me on this. <laughs> Trust me on this. That threw me for a loop, man. Oh, uh, You know what the bad ingredients are in a relationship? It's you and me. How's that for honesty? The two Bad ingredients of any relationship are you and the other person. And what I mean is this. Though we are created in the image of God and have an incredible potential for good and sacrifice and love and honesty and all the things that make relations beautiful, 
it's tainted because we were born with this sin nature and there's a selfishness in us that we just can't shake. There's a selfishness in us that doesn't want uh, to give my life away, but wants to get from someone else. It doesn't want to give, but wants to have. It wasn't, doesn't want to fulfill, but wants to be fulfilled. And that's the basic bad ingredient of every single relationship we're in. And maybe you've been there and you've said, look, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find happiness in this relationship. I want to be fulfilled by this person. And it's just not working because you're looking for what you can get. It's rigged. It's rigged. And if you do that enough... You're trying to find it in a relationship, and it's just not working. You, you might become skeptical. You might become leery. You might decide, you know what, this isn't working for me. I'm not getting what I thought I would get out of it, and so I'm just checking out. You might walk away from that relationship, or you might stay in it, but never fully give yourself to it again. You might just be along for the ride, but you're not going to go the extra mile. You're not going to give of yourself. You're not going to give yourself away. You're not going to lose your life for that person because you're not getting what you think you need. Man, how many of our relationships fit that description? So you know what? It's rigged, but we can unrig it. We can unrig the relationships in our life. And the way we do that is making a conscious choice to putting the other person first. That's exactly what Jesus said, right? The way we unrig our relationship is we lose our life for the benefit of others, and that's how it gets unrigged. You, you, this is how you do that. You start thinking about them ahead of yourself. What are their needs? What are, what's going on in their life? How can I be a blessing to them? How can I come and be a support to them? And then you try to meet those needs. Are you um, you start asking about their day and taking an interest in them and how are you doing and how did that thing go and, and how can I pray for you? And when you ask questions like that, you listen, like really listen. Guys, are you listening right now? Guys, like listen like you, listen like you're going to have to recite it back to them later. Listen. Like if they said, hey, just tell me what I just told you, you could tell them. That's a challenge. <laughs> Listen to each other like we will pray for them. So you walk away from that conversation and say, I know how I can better pray for this person because I listened. Or you listen in such a way that you can bring it back up later and say, how did that thing go? Or I was praying for you. Or, or how are you doing with that? Or how is this thing going? Or how did that go at work? Or tell me about your test grade. And you follow up and you listen and you ask like you actually care. You put other people first. In a relationship pop quiz school, did anybody like pop quizzes? Have you ever been in a relationship pop quiz? What I mean by that is, like, you had a conversation with someone you care about, and then they start talking about it again, and you remember that you had the conversation, and you're desperately trying to remember the details of that conversation because you feel like you're being tested on it right there. And you're like, oh, yeah, we... Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. I remember that, you know. And uh, you're having, listen, we should listen to each other like the relationship pop quiz is coming because guess what? It is. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. We put the other 
person first. And what that also means is we don't wait for them to make the first move as we move first. We put them first first. We don't just wait and reciprocate once the other person decides that they're going to serve us or sacrifice for us or meet our needs or talk to us or ask us about our day or listen to us well, that we would be the one that initiates, not reciprocates. That we would be the one that decides, I'm going to meet their needs. You might be thinking, listen, I've tried that, or I've been down that road, or I'm not even sure this whole giving my life away thing works, and, and so I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that I need to be the one that gives my life away that I'll find true fulfillment in life in it. Listen, if you're skeptical, I get it. Your life experiences might cause you to feel skeptical about this simple, profound truth that Jesus is teaching us. But I'm going to challenge you by giving you three reasons why I believe this is true and why it will benefit your life if you learn to put, you and I learn to put other people first. And the first one is this. We put them first because it's good for you. You say, that sounds selfish. It is, but it's true. Listen to what Proverbs 11 says. This is so good. It says, a generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So God designed relationship to be this mutually beneficial thing where you give to them and they give back to you. And when you refresh them, eventually they will refresh you in return. If a person that is generous gives away what they have, it says they continue to prosper. It means that when we give away, that we haven't lost anything. We're ultimately going to gain something. And when we take the time to invest in others and refresh them, that it's going to come back and we will also be refreshed, that it's good, it's good for us. See, the scripture, God's command over through the, through the Old Testament and the New Testament teaches the principle and it says, you will reap what you, what's the word? So you will reap what you'll sow. That means the farmer who puts the seed in the ground has to do that and he labors and he waters and he waits, but eventually what comes out of the ground will become later and it'll be greater than what they put in it. You know, that's true universally in your life, that when you put yourself into something, that the return is coming later and it's coming greater. And that if you'll put yourself into relationship, giving yourself away to other people, that eventually the return will come back to you, what? Later and greater. You will reap what you sow. Now, I just got to say this. That's not always the case. It should be the case if two people care about each other. That is what a healthy relationship looks like. But let's just be honest. There are some people that are users and abusers. And the more you give to them, the more you're throwing the rings and you're trying to put them first and you're trying to do what's right and they just take, 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 take. And you get nothing in return. Can I tell you, those people are real. They exist. And you may choose to stay in that relationship and serve them and love them and give yourself away to them. And you could do that. That is what love is all about. But you need to recognize something that you will not get anything back in return. And you need to be okay with that. I had a conversation after the first service. I said, you know, if you do this, you're not going to get anything in return. And when you and I are, are playing the toss game and we ring it, of course, I missed the whole thing that time. And it goes on the, on the bottle. 
and we're giving ourselves away like Jesus said, you got to understand with a user and abuser, that means there's no big teddy bear. There's no prize. There's no payoff. And if you can do that, understanding there's no payoff, believe me, that demonstrates the love of God in a beautiful way, but you'll have to be okay with not getting anything back in return. A healthy relationship is where when I give, and I give, that the, the person receiving it goes, well, man, I just, I just feel blessed. I feel obligated, maybe even guilty, but, or maybe I feel motivated and inspired. To, I want to give back. If they were so generous to give to me, that I want to give back in return. And that is what a healthy relationship ought to be. Man, when they serve me, I want to I serve them back. When they encourage me, I want to do the same thing. So let me ask you, what are you putting into? What are you sowing into the relationships in your life? What are you giving away that one day as you give it away, it's going to come back to you later and greater because you took the time to invest it in it today? What are you putting into it? I'm going to throw all you uh, uh, SEC fans a bone. I'm going to give you an acronym, SEC, all right? Three things we can put into our relationships. The first one is service. When we see someone that has a need in their life, man, we start serving them. We, we do for them. We see they may not even have to ask us that we just serve them. And believe me, there's so many pitfalls when you start doing this and you'll be like, want to pat yourself in the back and you'll want to get attention and recognition for when you serve them. And I do that before. I've done it plenty of times. I'll be like, hey, baby, I washed the dishes for you. She's like, yeah, you want a medal or, you know, congratulations. I'm like, yeah, I'd like a medal. That'd be cool. And you don't look for recognition. You don't want an attaboy. You do it because you want to be a blessing to them. That's serving them. And then E, encourage. That you start using your words in a way that you build the people up around you. You find reasons and ways to say, I believe in you. I have faith in you. I love you. The best hasn't even come for you yet. And you build them, you lift them up by the words that you say. And you invest words that matter into their life. I, I'm, I'm not great at this. But I'm trying, and, and not every day, but lots of days now, I'll text my family. We have a group text for a family. By the way, not everyone knows how to use a family text thread, just saying. Not looking over there. I'm going to get in trouble later. But a good way to use the family text thread would be to send out verses in the morning and encourage people uh, my family with verses that I'm reading and thoughts that God gives me, and I'm just trying to bless them and encourage them that way. S, serve, E, encourage, C, celebrate. Celebrate them and be happy for them. When they have a win in their life, man, it's like you had a win, that you, you're so excited for the victories in their life that you come alongside and you celebrate and you cheer and you make a big deal and you're happy for them, genuinely happy when they succeed because the more they succeed, the more excited you are for them. So the first reason is that we do it, we put them first because it's good for us. The second reason would be we put others first because it's good for them. Not just for us, it's good for them. Look what Philippians 2 says. 
It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Obviously, this makes sense, right? The more you bless others, the more you give yourself to others, the more they're going to feel loved, the more that's going to be encouraging to them, the more their needs are going to be met the more they're developed in their passions and their skills and they come alive. And as you and I learn how to bless others and put them first, the more they get to become the creation that God made them to be. They come alive. You know who was the ultimate? Jesus was the ultimate example of this. Nobody loved to see people around him prosper more than Jesus did. Think about that. I believe he loved seeing the blind person gain their sight. Could you imagine how Jesus, when they opened their eyes and they saw for the first time, man, I believe Jesus was there celebrating. He's like, yeah, isn't this a beautiful world you can see down? He's celebrating with them. And when he pulled somebody that was lame from birth, he says, it's time for you to walk. And he stood them up and they started walking. And it says in the scripture, they would leap for joy. I think Jesus would have been right there with them, leaping and jumping up with them with joy because he was excited to see them flourish. When he healed people late into the night who were coming in on gurneys, who were coming in broken and coming carried in, and they walked out on their own, and he saw them live a new life. He said, man, it is my joy and my privilege to see you whole. Man, Jesus didn't do it for him. He did it for them. I believe that's part of what was going on with his 12 disciples. Think about that. I and mean, he took 12 fishermen and other just random people and he, and he gathered them together and he spent three and a half years with them and he developed them and helped them become who God had created them to be. In one of those instances, he gathered them together. He says, I want you to go to pick five other people and they all came back together and they had 72 of them. And he says, listen, now I've been training you how to do ministry. I want you to take those five people you got and you guys go out and I'm going to give you authority to heal people and, and cast out demons and do all these amazing things. And they go out and they do it. And they come back and it says they were fired up. And Jesus was fired up with them. And he's like, man, this is so awesome. And it's the only place in Scripture that said that Jesus was full of joy. Why? Because his disciples were flourishing. Does it bring you joy to see the people around you flourish like Jesus? Man. When we put other people first, we get to see them come alive. And it's selfless. I want you to think about this. This is, this, is, this is truly the definition of love. If you and I would be people who would sacrifice for other people and give ourselves away to other people, that is really genuinely what love is. Not expecting anything return, not demanding anything back, but doing it because we just care about them and we want the best for them. That is the definition of love. And that's where the believer in Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, that's where you have a huge advantage because you don't just know about love as a theory. This is, love is something you've experienced because the God of the universe says, listen, you were stuck in your transgressions and sins and I left heaven and I came to earth and I bore your sin and I took a beating on your behalf and I was penalized and, and um, judged upon a cross, not for my benefit at all, but completely for you and for you alone. And if you want to know what love is, just look to my cross for what I was willing to do for you. That's how much I love you. That's how much I love you.
And now we have, as a believer, we have the spirit of the living God who lives inside of us. And when you and I are in these moments in our relationship and we're struggling, like we know the right thing to do and I know I should say I'm sorry and I know I should admit my fault and I know I should be encouraging and I know I should keep my mouth shut and I know I should do this or not do that. And in the moment of truth, we decide, do I follow this broken nature within me? Do I call upon the spirit of living God who lives inside of me to say, help me do what I can't do on my own? We just sang that. I'm not be, I can't be so unless you come and you meet me in this moment. God, I can't be, I can't be self-sacrificing. I can't love, I can't put the other person first unless the spirit of the living God intervenes. I will follow my natural bent and tendency to want fulfillment for me instead of giving myself away to them. But the power of the spirit that lives in you rose Christ from the dead. He can certainly do that in our lives as well, right? Amen. So, man, we give our lives away because it's good for us. We put other people first because it's good for them. The third reason is simply this. We put them first because it honors God. Listen, if the first two don't work for you, if you're like, I'm not sure I'm going to get a payoff and a reward someday, and I'm not sure I'm not ready to sacrifice for that person like that, this is the final catch-all, the final net that grabs you if nothing else will. Look at what Ephesians 5 says. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. These horizontal relationships in your life, when you humble yourself to put them ahead of you, you're not doing it because they're perfect. You're not doing it because they deserve it. You're not doing it because they're always right. You're not doing it because they've done something great. You're not doing it because they're worthy and you're not or they're better than you. You're doing it because God is worthy. He's worthy. And because you love and revere God, you submit your life to others. He's always worthy. Man, when the person in your life isn't worthy of your sacrifice, God is. He's worthy of your sacrifice. And when the other person isn't deserving of your sacrifice, God is. He's worthy. When they haven't done anything for you, God has done everything for you. That's it. That's why. That's reason enough. So whether you choose option number one and say, you know what, I'm going to try this reaping and sowing thing. I'm going to try, I'm going to test God at his word and see if this isn't true. If, that, if that, That's a good reason. If you want to start giving your life away and putting others first just to see if God's going to bless you in return and you're going to find fulfillment that you can't find anywhere else, try them. I promise you it works. Secondly, if you want to try this thing that I'm going to try to love people, even if I'm, I don't get anything in return, I'm going to love them because God says I can give my life away then do it. Or if you're motivated by the fact that you will revere Christ, that you'll set him apart in your heart, you'll honor him even if the other person isn't deserving. Whichever motivation you choose, they're all biblical motivations. That we would put others ahead of ourselves. And when we do that, it comes with a promise. First Peter chapter 5, look what it says here. In the same way, you who are older, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with what, guys? 
with humility towards one another. Humility towards God, that's great. You need to do that. But humility towards who? One another. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another because, here's the promise, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble or grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You want to guarantee that God is working against you in your life? Be puffed up and proud. If you want to make sure God is working against you in your life, put yourself first all the time. I guarantee you he will oppose the proud. But the promise is also true. If you will humble yourself, he will show favor and grace to the humble. I like the word grace here better. The, the word haros in the Greek is translated that word about 80% of the time. It's grace. You know what grace is? It's God treating you better than you deserve. It's God giving you second chance, third chance, hundredth chance. Grace is God uh, doing for you what you can't do for yourself. It's God setting you up for success. Grace is God being good to you when you don't need to even deserve to be treated well. That God would show his grace, not just when he saves us, earn it, but we also live in his grace every single day. We need his grace every day. And if we will humble ourselves, you know what it says here? He'll show favor or grace to him. He'll go to bat for you. He'll help you out. He'll do for you what you can't do for yourself. He's not working against us. He's working for us. That is an incredible promise. So here's my questions for you guys. Do you believe God is telling the truth? That when he says you'll find your life when you lose it. Do you believe that is true? It is counterintuitive to everything you'll hear in our culture today, society today, everything else is going to say, you put yourself first. You look out for number one. You make sure you get what's yours. And God says, no, it doesn't work that way. Do you believe God knows what he's talking about? That is true. I think he knows a little bit about this. Second question. Do you believe that God will make good on his promise? He will. He says, listen, just try me on this. Humble yourself. Serve other people. Give your life away and see if I don't pour out, pour out the blessings of heaven, my favor and my grace upon you. And you can trust his promise and take him at his word. So it's a very simple message with a very simple application, guys. In your outline there, I gave you some blanks. I'm going to put it on the screen here. And it's very simple. I will put, and I want to name or names there, I will put this person or these people first, but don't leave it generic like I'm just going to try to be better to them, I'm going to be a better person to them. Buy and then list specifically how you will put them first. How are you going to do it? How are you going to practice this? Because it's one thing to agree that it's true and it's another thing to live it out in our daily lives. Who will you put first and how? I want to show you this verse one more time from Matthew 16, 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. 
We've been talking about that horizontal application of that. But I want to go back to this vertical element. Jesus is saying, listen, if you're trying to hang on to your life and call the shots, if you're trying to hang on to your life and live a righteous life that will please God, if you're trying to hang on to your life that you'll call the shots, you'll be in control, and you're not looking to God to be the one who controls. He said, you're going to lose out. You're going to miss out on life in this planet. You're going to miss out on his life for eternity. He says, listen, I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out. We have two options. God has made an offer. He says, you can keep going and trying to control things and fix things and solve all your problems and make a better life for yourself and think that you can run your life, but the reality is you can't. So plan B had to be put into effect where Jesus Christ would come as an atoning sacrifice for your sins and lay down his life for you and me that we would no longer live for ourselves but for him who died and rose from the dead. When Jesus said, listen, I came to be your savior, he didn't just ask for your acknowledgement, he asked for your life in return. He says, I laid down my life for you, that you would give me your life back in obedience. That is the gospel of Jesus. That is the good news, that Jesus did all that for you. And I know that he proved, listen, God, God wants a better life for you than you want for yourself. Do you realize that? And if you ever doubt that he wants better for you than you want for yourself, just look to the cross. Man, he proved. He, 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 lived, he, he suffered a horrible death and he bore the weight of our sin to prove to you and I that he wants something better for you than you do. He wants you to experience life, eternal life with him in heaven one day. So listen, what I'm saying is I think sometimes we just trust God with our relationships or we trust God with our problems, we trust God with our health, and we never come to him and say, God, I need to trust you with me. And I'm willingly letting go. I'm not hanging on to my life anymore. I'm going to give it over to the sovereign God of the universe who I trust that loves me and died for me and he rose from the dead. And so now you've done that for me. I'm offering my life back to you. Have you let go and ask God to be the sovereign God of your life? Let's pray together. So this is a big moment, Lord, for anyone in this room or watching online that has never made this fateful choice of letting go. It's a big deal. But if you're ready to surrender your life to Christ, knowing that, listen, as best as I've done and as hard as I've tried, I still can't find the fulfillment in life that I'm looking for. And people have disappointed me and nothing else seems to fulfill me. That there's a God in heaven who wants to enter your life and to give you new life and find the fulfillment you've always longed for. Because it's found in relationship with him. He's willing to forgive you, love you, call you son or daughter. So if that's you, make this your prayer. It's The words aren't magical, just your heart to God. Say, God, I'm tired of trying to control and run my life. I don't want to do it anymore. 
and I'm asking you to have all of me. God, take my sin from me. Remove the past from me. God, give me this new life you've offered through your son, Jesus. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he rose to give me life. And I put my entire trust, my eternal destiny, and my better life today in the hands of Jesus Christ. And just tell him, God, have all of me. Man, if you prayed that, God says, welcome home. I've missed you and I've longed to have a relationship with you, but now I can promise you as you've laid your life down in faith in Jesus Christ is now a reality in your life that I will never leave you or forsake you. And I've got you in the palm of my hand. I've got you. God, thank you for that promise. Lord, I pray for all of us in our relationships that we need your help to live this very simple truth. But God, I pray, uh, God, I pray that we would, we would make a conscious choice day after day after day to lay down our life in service to others. God, we, we choose to put them first. We would let them, their needs come before our needs. And God, we'd call on your name over and over and over again for your help to do so. God, I want to pray a blessing over the relationships, the homes that are represented here. God, that you would strengthen uh, parents to child and, and sisters to brothers and, and other family members to one another. You would I pray a blessing over the relationships. May your grace reign over them. God, may we humbly come before you that our, that our friendships might bring you glory. God, I pray for the relationships in our workplaces, in our schools, that we would humble ourselves and that as we shine your light, people will see you in us and come to know you. God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.